Good evening. I told my four guys getting ordained to sit right in front of me. Obviously, they're already disobeying their pastor, aren't they? Like a bunch of youth, they spread out all over the sanctuary, but that's okay. As long as you don't leave, we're in good shape. We're in good shape. How many of you dreamed about being a hero when you were little? You're probably not honest or normal if you're not raising your hand. Last, uh, I thought it was really neat last Wednesday night when Dallas Witt was here preaching from Life Church. He said it so well that when we read the stories of the Bible or we watch the movie, have you ever noticed we're always the hero, never the villain? You don't read the story of uh, Jesus' last day on earth and picture yourself as Judas, do you? I mean, you're the, you're the hero of the story. That's, that's very normal, natural. And tonight, in the little book of Titus, Titus chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, If you don't, no problem. They'll be on the screens. Titus 3, we're going to look at some qualities that that will truly make you a great person. They'll make you a great deacon. They'll make you a great Christian. That's what we're going to talk about. We're ordaining four men, Kenny Brister, Phil Swallow, Kyle Birch, and Brian Griswold to the deacon body. And guys, I'm preaching directly to you, but I'm preaching to all of our deacons and everyone here tonight. Titus is a neat little book. Titus was a Greek man who was converted to Christianity, and he was one of Paul's uh, fellow laborers, worked close with Paul, and he was the pastor on the island of Crete. And Crete, you could almost put equals Crete. It was was a difficult and strange place. There was a boot camp there for Roman soldiers, so you had a lot of uh, rough and tough men there. You had a lot of Jewish people. You had a lot of pagans, and you had this new Christianity religion. Crete was also supposedly the birthplace of Zeus, who was the king of the mythical gods, and also the Manador. You know what the Manador is, the half bull and the half man? I've been described as a man full of bull before, but uh, that is the half bull and the half man, and that is the birthplace of that. And it's to this place, to this pastor Titus, but also to the church members there, that we get to these words tonight. And I'm telling you, in these words are found hero. In these words are found what will make a great deacon and what will make a great Christian. And let's begin with this. Number one, don't be a spiritual rabbit chaser. You know what a rabbit chaser is? A rabbit chaser is someone that's hunting deer and ends up shooting squirrels. That's what a rabbit chaser is. You act, have y'all heard that term before? You act like you never heard it before. I'm going to have to educate you guys tonight. In verse 9, it says, Do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. And they cause problems also, which we're going to see in just a moment. Jamie, put that verse back up on the screen. He says, first of all, don't get involved, which means avoid these things. Be aloof to them. Stay separate of foolish absurd, literally that word means blockheaded arguments. How many of you know some blockheads? Don't point, but you do. And you know people who like to talk about blockheaded things. Stay away from them. He uses the word quarrels, fighting or debating. And he used the words fights. He's talking about battling. The Greek people love to argue philosophy. They love to sit around all day and talk about the different philosophies. A lot of the Jewish people like to talk about their pedigree or their ancestry, uh, which which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it can become a weird thing. Uh, Cindy and I knew a man in New York City, a Jewish man, 
Uh, and this is in recent years, and he actually could trace his bloodline back to Aaron. Not Hank Aaron, the baseball player, but to Aaron, the brother of Moses. Folks, that's going deep, isn't it? I mean, that's going far, far, far. And there's nothing wrong with that unless it becomes a source of pride or a source of silliness. A lot of, a lot of the Jewish people, even in Jesus' dealings with them, uh, like to debate the law, but not like how much should we love or how should we love, but like on the Sabbath day, if you carry a bucket with five pounds of water in it, it's okay, but if it's got five pounds of grapes, it's not okay, or seven pounds makes it illegal, or you can walk ten steps but not twelve steps, and God through Paul said to Titus into that church, and he says to you and me, If you want your life to be significant, don't major on the minor things. Don't don't be a spiritual rabbit chaser. Folks, the fact that Jesus is coming back, you need to know that and you need to believe it. If you're spending 20 hours a week debating and studying end-of-times arguments, you are chasing rabbits. The best minds in the world disagree with that. Here's what you got to know. He's coming back. Amen? How many of you have a favorite Bible translation? That's great. You know what? I try to read 15 or 16 for every sermon I preach, and there's a lot of good translations out there. Don't waste a lot of time arguing about which is the better translation. How many of you like hymns? How many of you like choruses? Kind of a shame, like you're going to get in trouble. You know what? I like them both. And I'm going to tell you something. Are you listening? There are bad choruses, contemporary music. Are you still listening? There are bad hymns, too. If you don't believe me, go look through the hymn book with 590 hymns. There's some that we, some that we never sang. You know why? There was a reason. And there's a lot of great ones on both sides. Don't argue. Spend time arguing about silly things like that. In my first church, I I went with my deacon. We had one deacon. We went visiting. After I'd been there about a month, we went to go visit a lady that lived about 100 yards from the church. That was the only time I would see her except two years later on Easter. Never saw her again. She was a church member. And I remember going in that night to her house on a Saturday night. She had spread out like a picnic table in her den. She had her Bible, and she was writing. And she informed us she had now figured out the size of heaven using the book of Revelation. I mean, she is writing and mapping it out. But you know what? She never came to church and never saw her, her, her family. And almost certainly many of them were non-Christians. Do you think that was a rabbit chasing? Well, if you don't think so, I'm going to tell you it absolutely was deacons and church members and Christians, the devil wants you majoring on the minor things. It's the minor things that split most churches. It's not the major things. You new deacons, you old deacons, you in-between deacons, and everybody else, it's okay to talk about different issues, but major on the majors. Major on loving God and loving people, winning people to Christ, growing up in Jesus and growing up on Jesus. You want to be great, major on the major things. Here's the second thing. Be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. Mike Brister, Kenny's brother, is here tonight from uh, Temple to, to see and uh, be a part of his brother's ordination and in our deacons meeting, he shared some of these thoughts. I thought he'd got my sermon notes and had read them before he came in there. Great minds think alike, don't they, brother? 
The Cretans, the people on the Isle of Crete, loved to argue and they loved to fight. They loved these silly issues, but they were also divisive. If you hear nothing else I say this evening, if you're a serious Christian, you can't be a troublemaker. If you're a serious Christian, you're a peacemaker. Let me give you two two parts to this. Number one, don't cause trouble. A peacemaker, first of all, someone that doesn't cause trouble. Look in verse 10. If people are causing divisions among you, give a first and a second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. It's interesting. The New Living Translation puts the word people there. It literally is the, the biblical word heretic. Now, a heretic was a false teacher, someone espoused a false view, and that could be what it means here, but it also, some scholars say, means the word heretic here means an opinionated, pro, uh, someone who's opinionated, who's promoting and pushing their agenda and their view. How many of you have known an opinionated self-promoter before? And you know what he says here? That's not what a deacon should be. That's not what a Christian should be. And and if you're going to be who God has called you to be, please do everything you can to be a peacemaker. Matthew 5, 9 is a verse you need to memorize. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I read this several years ago, and I still think it's good uh, that's the Matthew 5, 9 is part of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. Blessed are, blessed are. And someone wrote the devil's Beatitudes. And listen to one of these here, two of these. Blessed are the troublemakers, they are my children. Blessed are the compa- complainers, I am all ears to them. Blessed are the gossips because they cause strife and division and please me. You four new guys tonight, be peacemakers. You other deacons, be a peacemaker. Christians, be peacemakers in your church, but this church or wherever you go. Here's the second thing that goes with this. Have the courage to deal with troublemakers. Now, this is where it gets tough. Look again in verse 10. If people are causing division, if they're teaching things they shouldn't teach, if they're just opinionated blowhards, You stand up to and give them a first and a second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. You ever known that person that's the loud, voice their opinion, dominate the scene kind of person? Sometimes this troublemaker is not a loud person, but they're more covert. They're more behind the scenes, stirring up the pot and causing trouble. Funny, God says here, you got to deal with that. Warn them once, warn them twice, and then you get away from them. Now, there's a couple of thoughts here. Possibly he's talking about removing them from the church, but he's certainly talking about that you need to change your friendships and the people you hang with. I think you would agree with me, an active troublemaker doesn't need to be an active deacon or an active minister or a Sunday school teacher are working with the youth, and I think that's what God's saying here. And this is so hard to do. What I've seen as a pastor of four churches is that church members and churches 
can be quick to deal with problematic ministers. And let me say as a minister, if there's a problem, it needs to be dealt with. Say amen. So you agree with that. You're not going to agree with what I'm going to say with next. <laughs> the churches are slow to deal with their own when there's a problem. What God's saying here is certainly if there's a minister that's out of bounds and out of lines, it needs to be dealt with. But he's saying to you deacons who are servant leaders by virtue of who you are, and by all Christians, when somebody, when somebody is causing trouble in the body of Christ, stand up to them. I promise I will do my best to, but it sure helps when you've got people behind you that are willing to stand up also. I'm not a medical doctor, obviously, but uh, just a little bit I, I can tell you about a cancer cell is that it basically goes rogue in your body, and it, it fights against the, the mission of the body and the health of the body. That's what a troublemaker does. The church is described as the body of Christ. A troublemaker is like a, a tumor in the body, and it needs to be zapped or it needs to be removed is what the Bible says here. Look in verse 11. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them. The word sin there means to trespass. See, troublemakers, whether they're sweet or whether they're just bullies, they go places they shouldn't go. They, they, they trespass into other people, into God's boundaries, into God's place, and, and, and you've got to deal with that. That's what God's saying here. Several years ago on Southwest Airlines, a story came out a man was removed from a flight before they took off. He was causing problems. He was disturbing the other passengers. He was upsetting the stewardess. And so the pilot had him removed. They had to call security from in the airport to come get him off the plane. And as they're pulling this jerk off the plane, he is saying, I thought Southwest was about servicing their customers and taking care of their customers. And the pilot said a thing for the ages. He said, buddy, I am servicing and taking care of my customers by removing you from the plane. Amen. And see, that's what God says here. Man, we don't want to remove people from the church. That's a last case resort. But you know what? You new deacons, you old deacons, all of us, when somebody's not doing what they should, you either stand up and face it or you pay a dear price down the road. Be a peacemaker. And sometimes that means that you have to actively get involved to solve problems. Here's the third thing. Boy, this sounds selfish. Help your ministers. Amen? A little weaker, but I appreciate that. Ministers are to be servant leaders. Do you know that? They're leaders, but they're servant leaders. That's what they're called to be. That's what the Bible says. Deacons, strangely enough, the word deacon means servant. And deacons, if you go back to Acts chapter 6, where we believe the deacon position was created, they were created to help and serve along with the ministers and to relieve some of the pressure from the ministers. In verse 12, I'm planning to send either Artemis or Tychius to you. Isn't that a fun name, Tychius? I wonder if he had a quirk or something. No. As soon as one of them arrives, do your best to meet me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to stay there for the winter. Titus is the pastor. 
Titus is apparently leaving to go to Nicopolis to be with Paul. It's funny, they say Nicopolis would have been a very bad place to winter, but Paul wasn't staying there for comfort. He was staying there for Christ. Isn't that kind of a neat side point there? And so... They're getting ready to replace Titus, so he's sitting in this Artemis. We don't know him, this Tychius. We know that he, he took the letter to the church at Colossia, and he took the, the letter. We have Ephesians to the church at Ephesus. These guys are going there to minister. Look in verse 13. Do everything you can to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos with their trip. See that they are given everything they need. We don't know hardly anything about Zenos from the Bible. Except says he's a lawyer. We don't know if that meant he was a Roman court lawyer or probably he was a, a, a lawyer of the Old Testament. He was a, a legal expert, a Bible scholar, we might say. Apollos, we hear about in the book of Acts, he was a great preacher and a, a great thinker. And apparently they were there in Crete and they were ministering to the people. And here's what God said through Paul to Titus and those church members. You help these ministers. You take care of these ministers. You you provide for them. You encourage them. You bless them. Deacons were created to help the ministers in the service area of the church. It doesn't happen here. I've been here 15 years. It's not happened here. But so many churches are paralyzed and ministers are crucified by their deacons. That's not of God. Deacons ought to help the ministers. Not hinder them. And I'm going to say it again. Here, thank God, they do that. You new deacons, are you hearing me? You can't sleep. This is about you. You've got to be awake tonight. God's calling you to, to help your ministers. Like he's calling all Christians to do. The church where I met Cindy was a little kind of an open country church down in between College Station and Navasota, Texas. It was a wonderful church, and, and, and later on, after I left, I, I tried to figure out why, did, why was it so good? Why was it so easy? Why do we have so much success? And here's what it took me leaving it to realize later. When I got there, I had five deacons who were tremendous, who loved me, who loved the church, who served God, who served me and served the people. And you know what? I believe with all my heart that was the key to success. Guys, help your ministers. We need to be who we should be, but church members, you've got to help too. You know, we, we take up a great offering this time of the year in, in Southern Baptist called Lottie Moon. It's for foreign missions. And we do that because we want to help those missionaries and those mission causes. And we take mission trips because we want to help those missionaries and those missions. Cause. We want to help them, right? We're not sending money and going on trips to control them, but to help them. And, and you know, as I think about that, how wonderful that is. Isn't that what we should do with our ministers in Ruston or wherever you live? To help them? To help the ministries? Absolutely. Hey, you want to be a hero? Help your ministers. And here's the fourth thing this evening. Be a positive doer. Be a, be a doer of good and of positive things. Look in verse 14. Our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others, then they will not be unproductive. He says they must learn. Two thoughts there. One, they're not doing it and they hadn't learned it. And must learn means to practice or to maintain. 
He says to do good works, the word good means what's constitutionally are fundamentally good and harmonious and brings positive results. Ephesians chapter 2, we're told that we are not saved by works but by faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Aren't those great verses? But then right under that in Ephesians 2, 10, it says we are saved to work. God wants you and me to be about doing good things and positive things. The, the people in Crete, listen to what one of their own poets said about them. He said, the Cretans are lazy, gluttonous brutes. Wow. When you, when you love to see that in the, the paper, the Rustonians are lazy, gluttonous brutes. <laughs> and it was into these people he was saying, hey, you Christians... Be about good works. Be about doing good. Help Ruston. Help your church. Help other people serve and do. Listen, the, the criticism committee is always full, isn't it? There's never a place on it. Don't even ask to serve on it. We don't serve on it. You rule on it. But the, the jump in there and help and make things better, there's always places for that. I read an article this week that a man who apparently had grown up in, in the Christian church but left it kind of refound his faith after Hurricane Katrina. He wasn't from uh, the New Orleans area, but he went down there to investigate what was going on. And what he found out, even several years afterwards, after the government had kind of left, it was the churches and the Christians that were making the most difference. And here was this man who was an agnostic, kind of denying whether a God existed or not, watched white people, African-Americans, Hispanics, and he said, and even good old Cajuns, working together under the name of Jesus Christ to try to do good to those who had needs. And he said that's what brought him back to the faith. Man, be, be about good works you new deacons, God, God's not called you to sit and soak only, but to get up and serve and to help. And that's what he's called all of us to do. Men's Health Magazine, a few years ago, was talking about heroes. And they interviewed thousands of men, and they asked them, do you think you were a hero? 31% said, yes, I'm a hero. <laughs> I wonder how they defined a hero. Most of the time we think of a hero as somebody who runs into a burning building to save somebody. That, that's a hero for sure. Someone who takes a bullet for me, that's a hero, right? For sure. But you know, I want to tell you, a hero is also a man or a woman or a deacon who's a peacemaker, who majors on the major things of God. Someone who does good and helps their church and helps their ministry. Listen, I'm telling you, in God's economy, that's a hero. In eternity, that's a hero. And my charge to you deacons and you new deacons and to all of us, let's make a commitment to be that person that God's called us to be. We're going to stand in a moment to respond to what we've heard. Here's your options this evening. You're not a Christian. You come tonight and give your life to Christ. We'd love for you to, or we can help you after church with that if you want to talk. You'd like to join the church. You can do that this evening. You can do that after church. We'd love to help you with that. You're a Christian tonight. I want to challenge you where you're standing. 
or maybe praying with a minister or, or taking a knee at the altar to say to God, God, I want to be somebody great. I want my life to matter. And to commit to these principles. You new deacons, you old deacons, let's re- recommit ourselves to be who God's called us to be. You know what? Anybody can do these things. Very few will, but anybody can. Will you? Let's stand.